I when when I was getting uh, my Audacity file ready and I went to save it um, in my like podcast folder, I have a separate one for like the different types of shows. So mm. I have just I have like regular episodes and then rewind in one folder. Never seen that's in another, and so I go to save this one in never seen that and it's empty i'm like why is that like that's weird like i didn't have any subfolders or anything and that's what i normally do is within that folder then i would have a different one for like each episode each show right right um and it then i realized a couple of months ago is when i did the uh project file purge off my computer mm-hmm. which means at the very least, it was January 3rd, the last time we did a Never Seen That. It has been a while. I was so trying to look I at some of my files have, like, also. Cabin might have been the last one. Yeah, I think it was. So I think it's we been did... since October, if that's the case. Because even... Uh... Well, we... So we had... Because one of them I, th- I thought I pocketed, and we didn't like upload it until later like we we did we did cabin and we did fast and furious 5 we watched them together we recorded them fairly close together i think and we were trying to get cabin out for halloween true but i think we banked fast and furious until another time did we ever did you ever put it out that is a damn good question (laughs) (laughs) I, I think you're right about doing those uh, around the same time. Cabin in the Woods episode, I have I have that file, episode 202. Oh, yeah, created Sunday, October 25th. So that was the cabin one. So that would have uploaded somewhere around Halloween. Yeah, we did that for, we made sure that was out for Halloween. And then scrolling upwards, I don't think we, I don't know if I ever did Fast and Furious. Holy shit. Because <laughs> I'm trying to remember, because that was right before all the holiday num uh, COVID numbers spiked. But you, I think you and Mike came over to watch Cabin. Yes. With us, so I think we did both of those in that one sitting, as far as just watching them. Yeah, I have I have the audio files for all that, so we definitely recorded it. <laughs> but does it look like we ever put it out? Yeah, I don't. I don't think we did it. <laughs> I started writing an intro, and then I realized this got a lot longer than I wanted because I feel like it's been so long since we did this. I'm like, like rehashing the whole fucking thing for people. Because yeah, again, obviously, if I didn't upload Fast and Furious Five, I forgot about these damn episodes too. So <laughs> I'm sure everybody else did too. Welcome to another episode of Bry Guy and his Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this is the long overdue instigator of all of this, Josh George. Brian, you're being way too loud. You are definitely going to get us killed. <laughs> See, and I don't get that reference yet, so we'll get there, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so what are we doing for this one? So 
as I mentioned, this is long overdue. Uh, not only are we doing a never seen that episode, uh, but we're following through with one that has been a very long time coming for us. So you may be asking yourself, what is a never seen that episode? Maybe this I know, is your... I'm asking myself. <laughs> you know, maybe this is your first episode of the podcast you decided to check out. Or it's been so long since we did one of these that you forgot all about them just like we did. <laughs> uh, so anyway, these episodes... I guess, in my mind, we're always envisioned as a way to introduce someone to a movie or series that, you know, maybe you're surprised they haven't seen. Or maybe a movie that isn't that surprising for someone to have missed, but something you think they should have seen. Uh, I always saw it as sort of like a social experiment, that if someone watches a movie as an adult, that the, maybe the rest of us grew up as kids, you know, could they get the same enjoyment from it? So, early on, I had episodes with a friend who had never seen Star Wars. Uh, we never finished those. Uh, I had another friend that had never seen Lord of the Rings. We we never finished those either. So let's face it, this has become one of the most inconsistent segments of the podcast. Um, which, you know, in the reality of it, I guess I get. People that I know that haven't seen some of these specific movies, it's hard to get them to, let alone sit down and watch a movie, but then put a microphone in front of their mouth right after watching that movie and said, hey, what do you think? So volunteers have been uh, a little bit in short supply. Um which pretty much brings us to where we are now. We we just started doing this experiment with ourselves, basically. Uh, and a little bit of backstory there. If you haven't listened to the podcast, you don't know us as well. Uh, I have a confession. I'm not that great with horror movies. I don't really care for them. I don't really particularly like them. Uh, so I go out of my way to actively avoid most movies that fall into that genre. Um, I'm not really a fan of the gory stuff. Uh, while I can handle jump scares, they're definitely not my favorite. Uh, Josh, on the other hand, loves horror, uh, but has a specific distaste for a few blockbuster franchises, one of them being <laughs> Fast and the Furious, which he has never seen. Uh, so with that in mind, I think way back in, if I remember right, this was probably like the fall of 2019. I think that's when we finally started it and sat down, but I feel like it was honest to God, maybe at least a year or more in the making. Okay. Yeah, we, it's one of those things we tossed around. We never were going to do it. And Josh threw out the gauntlet and, and challenged me and basically said, if I agreed to watch Zombieland, which I think was right before Zombieland 2 came two out, came out. Yep. Um, that he would agree to give me two Fast and Furious movies as a trade. And, you know, that was too good of a deal to pass up. So, of course, <laughs> I had to do that. So, And then the more we talked about it, the, we've sort of been trading Fast and Furious movies for Josh's selected horror movies. Uh, my goal has always been to get Josh through a curated list of Fast and Furious movies. So that would include one, four, five, and six. Uh, if you're familiar with the Fast franchise, I think those movies work very well as an introduction to the series. Um, so far we have watched one, four, and five. Uh, so I only have one more to go for our sort of initial run. Uh, Josh, to his credit, has been, I'd say, pretty easygoing with me as far as horror movies go, uh, which I very much appreciate. <laughs> uh, so we've done Zombieland and Cabin in the Woods. Those were my trades because, again, Josh started with a twofer. So I, I have watched one less movie. Uh, although I did see, I was thinking about this. I did see Zombieland too. So would you count that as one? Even though oh no, you, you did you yeah. did that completely of your own free will. <laughs> All right, after you enough. saw the after you saw the first, and we were toying around like, well, uh, we'll see how I react, and maybe. I'll, I'll come with you opening weekend, which was right around the time we recorded. Right, right. Um, and you said you enjoyed it enough that you decided to come with us. So, Fair no, point. you do not. Th there's no fine print here that you're going to exploit. <laughs> I tried. Uh, all right. So, again, we are coming up to the end of our initial trade. So, for 
the last movie, Josh is going to end up eventually so at some point watching Fast 6. Uh, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, for this movie, Josh has selected A Quiet Place for me. So that was that's what we're going to sit down and watch. Um, so again, for anyone that hasn't listened to one of the Never Seen That episodes, our format for this is that usually we get some previewing conversation with the person on the hot seat before we watch the movie. We'll take a break for the movie, and then we'll come back and talk spoilers and final thoughts and see what that person thought. Uh, so this is the the pre-flight, pre-flight checklist uh, sort of part of the episode. So since I'm on the hot seat, I'm going to pass the stick to Josh. He can direct us from here. Oh, this is great. So I- I'm actually going to digress us initially back to our most anticipated movies of 2018 episode. Jeez. Uh, which I think we recorded in the late months of, of 2017. And at the, I don't have an episode number for you, I apologize, but listeners, you can go out and find it. Um, at that time, I will credit Mike Bradley for being the first person I knew to bring this movie to my attention whatsoever. Uh, I forget what spot it was on his list. It might have been you know in the, in the lower numbers, 8, 9, 10, somewhere in there. But he brings up this movie called A Quiet Place, and... Uh, through the details he shares about the basic premise of it, I was very intrigued. And luckily, I think it came out uh, in in the springtime, so we didn't have to wait long to get it. And I recall uh, Sarah and I, my wife and I, both going to the theater to see it. It was like a a late evening show uh, down at Waterworks in in Fox Chapel uh, area of Pittsburgh. And sitting in this movie was one of the most interesting in theater experiences I've ever had, either as an adult or uh, an adolescent, a child, anything. Um, and if you, if you're familiar with the premise of the movie listeners, you'll, you'll kind of know why if you, if you've seen it, you'll definitely know why. Um, and, and, and from that moment, I was kind of hooked to this idea. I really was hoping that they would eventually get a sequel out. Um, that, was initially supposed to be out in March of 2020. Uh, Brian, I don't, I don't know if you actually remember that or not. I think it actually, I'd have to go back and look at my list. I'm pretty sure this uh, sequel appeared at least on mine, if not Mike's uh, 2020 anticipated list as well. Um, I mean, haha, let's see how innocent we were in late 2019 to, to think the world would just be normal you know, four months later, but, um, it was originally supposed to be out, I think about two weeks, a week or two after the like initial major U S lockdown hit in mid March. And just like a lot of movies during that time, it kept getting rescheduled and rescheduled as nobody really knew how far along this was all going to go. And, and no one ever would have imagined it would have taken us, you know, 15 to 16 months to get society under control again um but we are finally going to get that movie uh memorial day weekend of 2021 um i know i'm looking forward to it so for listeners and and for brian that's just a rehash of of how we get to a quiet place why we became aware of it um i guess i'll 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 start off off with you brian do you recall um those initial conversations that we had, um, not necessarily any details of the movie or, or anything, but um, our sort of fanfare about it around its release and review. I mean, yeah, I remember a lot of people talking highly of the movie. Um, 
I remember you and Sarah obviously talking a lot about it. I think Mike has talked a lot about it too. I'm trying to think who else has seen it that I know of mm-hmm. that has talked it up. But I don't I, like. I don't think I've heard anything bad about it from anybody that has that I've heard talking about it. And I know you guys have sure. talked about your theater experience as being very memorable. Quite, quite. Um, so let's talk about creators. Um, th- th- there's. I I, kind of want to avoid generically at first saying, Brian, tell me what you think you know about this movie. (laughs) Um, And and let's just see if if maybe uh, creative team gives you maybe an initial impression, uh, whether it makes you more tense or maybe it, you know, eases the nerves a bit about uh, the anxiety that you sometimes. Some of this I think I know yourself. Like I think like Krasinski directed, right? This is his first directing gig. It was. That is correct. It's his first feature film director. Okay. And I know his wife, Emily Blunt's in it. Actually, I will have to possibly amend that. Oh, yeah, I do. Okay. He has two other credits for a feature film, something called Brief Interviews with Hideous Men from 2009 and a movie called The Hollers, H-O-L-L-A-R-S, from 2016. Yeah, I've so never heard of either of those. I, I have not either. Um, this was definitely the first one of major note. Right. Of of course. Um, as you mentioned, yes, his his wife, Emily Blunt, does co-star. Uh, Krasinski also co-wrote the movie along with two guys named Brian Woods and Scott Beck, who, okay. I, looking at their resume, um, unfortunately, I, I, I don't mean them at dis- any disrespect, I don't recognize anything else on their resumes other than this um and it but it looks like they have also been a long time co-writing team uh, basically all their credits are together on the same stuff okay um and they also each have other um uh things that they're involved with producing directing etc uh, respectively themselves right but uh yeah so krasinski those two guys are responsible for the story add in krasinski for the screenplay with them and Krasinski directing. Okay. So you're going in with basically two unknowns and a guy that you mostly know from rom-coms and sitcoms. Right. Writing and, and, and directing and starring. Yeah. How does that hit you for a thriller, a horror movie? I mean, if I hear that Krasinski's going to direct a movie, this is not one that would immediately pop to mind and say, oh, yeah, he, he definitely did that one, or that's what I would expect from him. Yeah, it's not... Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the same time, I guess I understand that, like, hey, we're going to try to do something different, and I get that, so I respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, from all accounts, I feel like, again, from what I've heard, is that he nailed it, so... I don't know, other than, like, Saying, yeah, I don't think that would be the first thing I'd peg him for. Is like, yeah, he'd venture into the thriller, horror, suspense genre. But, mm-hmm. yeah, good for him. <laughs> Hear that, John Krasinski? Brian says, good for you. Yeah, I didn't even see it yet, and you've got my stamp of approval. Put that on your, your good news. you got a good for you. <laughs> um, So, this was actually... So, the first movie uh, ended up getting nominated for an Oscar uh, for, ironically... Best achievement in sound editing. I, that I guess makes sense. I mean, that's the one thing I feel like I hear everybody talk about is the the sound design for the movie. Mm-hmm. Which so, so let's spin, let's spin off of that and just kind of dive into that part that I was I was going to try to push off for a little bit. 
what about this story do you think you know already? Uh, I know things are meant to be quiet and that there's some sort of monster or creature thing that follows people based on sound or hunts people based on sound, kills people based on sound. I don't know, something about making noise. You're not supposed to make noise. I got that much. <laughs> so they're not burying the lead with the title otherwise, yeah. you're saying. I guess really what I'm curious about, and you know, just from conversations of like, I know with you and Sarah talking about it, that you've talked about how quiet the theater is when you saw this movie in the theater. Correct. So part of me is even wondering what kind of sound is in this movie. If there's any sound, if it's just a silent movie, if there's even dialogue, like I, that stuff, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. There was uh, I, I've never seen it, but I think there, I think it's a Mel Brooks movie. Yeah. It's a Mel Brooks movie called silent movie and it's from the sixties or seventies, I think. And it was uh, probably ahead of its time. Like it wasn't like the artist, you know, that was doing like a novelty type of thing in 2012 bringing back a silent movie um it was more of a, a a farce parody on the genre i think right right and the only line spoken in that movie was by uh marcel marcel who was one of the most famous uh you know if maybe not the only i hate to say it famous and well-known performance mime you know almost in like entertainment history um, he has the only spoken line, which I think he says, like, the end or <laughs> See, something like that. That's, um, that's cool. Right. Um, so, is you know, does this go that far? That's going to be an interesting hypothesis for you to find out. Because I could definitely see, like, it, it, for a movie that is, I guess, played itself up to be very quiet, mm -hmm. that any time that sound comes in, it's going to be played for jump scares. And that's going to piss me off. I can tell you oh, that okay. right now. <laughs> okay. So you think you're 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 guessing that if if noise is utilized, it will be more for effect than um, right. The fact that it's mostly silent, and then you just hear bang, right? Like right. It, it it drives up your anticipation and your anxiousness, and then bang, and then like that's the stuff that's gonna kill me. <laughs> so is this uh, again? So th this was, I believe, rated PG thirteen. Yes. Um. So that's gonna tell you right off the bat. Um, I know, you know, not that language bothers you by any means, but the th there have been some scary movies, call them, uh, and, and horror fans know that there's probably a using that term delineates a very uh, deliberate separation between horror movies and scary movies. Right. Right. I would probably put most PG-13 movies of the uh, of, of this attempted genre in the scary movie column because as we've discussed before the nature of horror movies and and what 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 is happening what's implying the situations all of it the psychology if you can't you know if you're doing that in the framework of a pg-13 with visuals and language etc it's extremely difficult to get to the point where you would literally say like this was horrific. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um I would I would probably put Quiet Place in the scary movie thriller Fair. kind of category more yeah. as opposed to and, and uh, you know especially if there's supernatural elements or or uh, uh science fiction type things involved. 
um, doesn't diminish it by any means. Some, it, it's it's difficult, but I think I've spoken to that. I think Split does that insanely oh, yeah. well. Yeah. It's it's and that kind I have of seen. a scary movie, right? But it it somehow made a PG thirteen movie uh, unnerving. Yeah, and I think I to your point, yes, I think it is difficult, and I'd agree that it's difficult, and I think that almost makes it. Like, I don't know. I I feel like we should give more credit to people that can pull off movies that fall in that genre or that mm-hmm. type of thing that have to, that are restricted by the rating. Cause I think, I, you know, I, rated I R lets you get away with a lot more. So it's easier to just like, okay, just lean into all the horror thriller stuff that people come to see. Mm-hmm. If you're restricted by the rating and they want to hit more of a broader audience with that kind of thing, where you can't rely on just people dropping F-bombs over the place. You can't rely on very graphic violence for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you were left with a, just a very suspenseful movie, and I can appreciate that a lot more. Even something like The Dark Knight is PG-13, but that movie is violent and terrifying. That's a good point. And it, they do it without blood splatter, which I, again, appreciate. Sure, and and so I think that's a good indication for you that, like, obviously going in, there are certain elements of, quote, horror movies or scary movies that probably won't be present that uh are are of the types that you you know mentioned earlier aren't really in your wheelhouse which is why i said you've been very kind to me picking movies like you (laughs) you know what i will turn away from you know what what i I think to your point you're trying to pick stuff i might actually like whereas i'm just picking something for you that's like okay you haven't seen this i know you kind of hate it i'm really curious if you may or may not like it like Mm -hmm. i i don't expect you coming out of the tail end of fast and furious being like you know what that's a good franchise i'm gonna go see more of these movies it's it's more or less just yeah, like how 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 bad do you think they are type of thing, more yeah. more like a morbid curiosity, I guess. <laughs> well, that's fair. I think it's and 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 you know we're working from two different premises where you're you're giving me a franchise that exists somewhat in, in an already existing genre, even though from what I can I mean what I've seen so far this tries to blend genres a little bit, um, whereas. You know, Sarah and I are picking things that are just entirely across the spectrum. You know, it's right. not like we're saying, "Oh, we're going to go through," you know, a nightmare, uh, a nightmare on Elm Street franchise or right, right, uh, uh, Friday the Thirteenth type of stuff. Like, we're not just picking straight through an actual series. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 there, I don't. As we said before, there's no point in in trying to get you to enjoy. Like, you you should enjoy it. Otherwise, like, what's the point like if we if we were 15 that's what we would do to each other (laughs) you would make me watch the car movies and i would find things like maybe not to the absolute nth degree but stuff that i i I would just know that you really wouldn't like because that's what a dick would do you know there's there's no point in it i think i was Um, i can't remember if i was talking i feel like i might have been talking to ian if i remember right i'm trying to remember the story but uh-huh. Somehow something like this came up where we were trade movies and stuff. And it, basically he was like, well, if it was me, I'd be giving you like hostile and <laughs> like all the like torture porn shit. And I'm like, no, that's, there's no way in hell I would ever agree to do something like that. He's like, well, I wouldn't tell you. I just invite you over for a movie, put it on and be like, here you go. And and that's the other thing. Like, obviously like at this point in our lives, like, you know, what, 10, 15, 20 minutes in, you, you could literally say, hey, dude, you're, you're a D bag, turn it off. Or yeah. I'm, I'm an adult and I'm going to go back to the home I own. I, I drove myself, so I'm going yeah, to exactly. see myself out. <laughs> yeah, like I I, I I I actually don't have 
to just sit here because it's <laughs> my mom did not on. drop me off ten minutes ago with a juice box and popcorn. <laughs> Although I would never turn down juice box. True, true story. Um, so, yeah, I, I think like going going forward, if we continue after this and and after Fast Six, um, I I not like these three that we picked as we've said for a long time, pretty much came to mind very quickly. Yeah. Um, as, as easy, good intros that have other elements of enjoyability that we knew somebody could pull those out and look past, hopefully, the, the you know, the, quote, scary movie part of it. They they work outside of the boundaries of the typical genre and and they go beyond well i think you know um, you picked zombie land because i think the humor is enough to attract me there horror comedy absolutely uh cabin of the woods because of joss whedon and the writing and the the spin on the genre that it did which again 100%. was in my wheelhouse this one i think you're picking a lot of it too for just a technical standpoint like there's not a movie like this out there which i can also appreciate yeah yeah absolutely i i i, I it it gives as you'll see, it gives tension and suspense and you become, you know, worried about the characters and, and, and whatnot. But there's a million of those I could find. Right. Um, this one, you know, you come out saying not only was that a good scary movie, that was a good movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's definitely what we're, we're trying to find for you. And to hopefully, again, it would have been would have made no sense to throw you into. As I've said a million times even here that I think one of my. One of my, if not my favorite, scary movie, horror movie of all time is uh, Zack Snyder's 2004 Dawn of the Dead remake. Mm. There's parts of that that I think you would find interesting, but I don't necessarily know if you would enjoy the overall movie. So what would be the point of that if I want to also show you that, you know, don't, basically, the I think I think our goal on our side is to let you have a good time, not hate what you just watched and spent the time doing it and potentially think, Hey, next time I'm scrolling through whatever streaming service or, or any other, like a conversation I'm having or suggestions, etc., maybe not ignore that genre bullet entirely. Yeah. Maybe it'll pique curiosity to look through titles and read synopses and say, Oh, okay, maybe, the, you know, those weren't all that bad. Maybe there's other stuff in here I could find that, that, you know, I it would still fit within my, my likability parameters. Right. Um, so I, I, I hope we've done that so far. And, and let's say going, if we continue this, we're going to have to rack our brains a little bit more uh, to, to, to see where we go from, from here. But as of right I, now, I, I think, think we could do it. You have a, you, I think there's a high bar to clear with a quiet place right now because Zombieland got me to go see Zombieland 2. True, true. Cabin in the Woods got me to purchase the movie, which I never thought I'd just go out of my way to like <laughs> buy a horror type of movie. But I did that with Cabin in the Woods. I liked it that much. I haven't and watched you, it since, but I own it now, so I can technically watch it whenever. And if I remember, you did that fairly soon after, right? It was kind of immediate. I think, yeah, I caught it on sale digitally somewhere. I was mm-hmm. like, sure, yeah, I'll buy the 4K version for $2 or $3 or whatever the fuck it was. So <laughs> I have that. So, yeah, so I'm I'm curious. I, I'm curious, too, how I come out of a quiet place. If it's something that I'm going to rush out and buy so because now I feel like I need to have it. Mm-hmm. Or if it's going to be like, okay, I saw that. I'm, I'm sure. good now. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Well, as far as the movie itself goes, I'm not sure if there is much more to really kick around because this 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 is a tough movie to talk about. So kind of like Cabin in the Woods a little bit. Like it's it's tough to talk about more of it in advance without getting too much into what makes it special. Right. And um, I will admit too, right. I think I think this is out of the three movies you've showed me, I think this is the one I'm going into the most blind. Oh, okay. That's good. I, yeah, I, like, that's I feel good like I had a good handle on what Zombieland is and was trying to do. I had a good handle. Like I've heard enough about Cabin and that mm-hmm. I pretty much knew a lot of the twists I think that were coming just from conversations with people. Right. I I forgot about that part. I, I remember when we did our pre discussion and I thought you were a lot more ignorant to it and you kind of burst that bubble yeah right before we watched it <laughs> yeah so this one like i i know very little okay okay good i like that so yeah i'm, I'm like i said now I'm, I'm curious myself just to see how i come out of this absolutely um well as, as you just summarized for yourself one you you know chapter chapter one got you to go see a sequel and chapter two got you to make a purchase yes um so with quiet place they're you know, either one or both of those uh, could be the litmus test as, as to that. Oh, that's true. As, as we said at the top, you know, there is a sequel about to hit us. And, um, you know, th- this will say, well, do I did did I did I hate that as an experience? Did I just dislike it as a movie uh, or, or did I like it enough to either want to rent or purchase or uh, try to get out? Uh, maybe to oh, look at us talking like it's 2019 get out to a theater to <laughs> and uh, we're rounding to see that corner and i'm so excited like i cannot wait yeah i i think the one thing that we have going for us is and i, I hadn't really paid attention because i haven't looked in so long there's been no reason to um even as of maybe a week or two ago i saw like my local theater multiplex was still carrying raya in the last dragon which has been out for over two months. Like it was out for about two months at that point. Yeah. Cause like there's so little playing that the little bit that they can continue to get from screenings, like they're keeping stuff out very long. And I'm assuming that's going to continue at least through the summer. I don't know if black widow is going to be the thing that breaks that or not. Right. Or, or a few others, but at the very least, maybe we don't, you know, you don't have to, if you like this enough and you're intrigued enough for the sequel, you don't necessarily have to worry about rushing out holiday opening weekend. Uh, it'll give you some time to have you know four six eight weeks maybe yeah to make that decision and, and find the time to do it but um yeah i guess we'll see where you shake out in two hours from now yeah um all right so i guess that's where we'll take a break for now we're gonna watch the movie uh we may or may not have some other people on by the time we get to the discussion part of the show so <laughs> don't be surprised if you hear more than us whenever we come back uh either way uh, i'm gonna take it uh Throw it over to the uh, Wayne's World transition. Take it from here. All right, and we're back. So we have finished our viewing of A Quiet Place. And as promised, we've also added another guest. So here to talk loud about a quiet movie, Mike Bradley has joined the fun. You promised that before you confirmed with anybody? I figured that someone would join. I didn't know who or how many, but I figured we'd get we'd at least get one. Uh, fair enough. I'm here. He was right. It, it was a squeaker, though. Like, I finished watching... 
like an hour before the recording. I know. I was so. very, very set to be like, okay, well, I lied to everyone and I promised another guest <laughs> and we had no one. So it's just the two of us. <laughs> Thank FX uh, for coming through. I did not want to pay again for this movie because I feel like I paid to watch it in the theater and then I paid to rent it when it first came out, like for like digital viewing. And I, di I didn't really want to pay to watch it again. I think I just assumed you owned this movie. No, I, I genuinely, generally do not buy horror movies very often. Okay. Just because, like, most horror movies are one-off watches. There's very few that are, like, Cabin in the Woods that I can watch every so often. Yeah. But there is, um, I, I guess, like, I, I, I don't know. Thank FX. That's what I've got for you. I, I looked it up on, like, the cable uh, app yeah. on the Roku. Did it have commercials and, or no uh, commercials? Commercials. Okay. I had oh, you sat through commercials every... too. Jeez, oh man, you really wanted to do this. About I had nothing else. <laughs> it, was, it was. I had about twenty minutes or so uh, commercials in there. That's not bad not, at uh, all. Yeah, I, I honestly, I think I presumed the same. Um, I uh, we we picked it up. I want to say from uh, like half price books. Oh, okay. I think at some point, so it wasn't like a huge investment. And and horror movies, you rarely need. I mean, th this this is a beautifully shot movie, but you rarely don't need like a Blu-ray copy necessarily. So I think we might right. just have a, a a DVD. But um, yeah, I presume the same. But I'm I'm glad you were able to pop in. Um, we could have actually gotten around it and really said any number of people were here, but that they were really in character, so you'll never hear a peep <laughs> out of them. That's true. Could have just really leaned into that quiet place feel for the episode, giving giving them all kinds of praise and, and and whatnot, and they just never said a damn word. They're giving us our their answers in sign language. Yeah, precisely. That works very well. We, for an we audio should have podcast. a yes. We should have a sign language audio podcast. <laughs> That's we should do that next, or we could just do, do um you know like uh, Morse code. He learned Morse code <laughs> at some yeah. point. Yeah, he's using it in the movie. We could just use Morse code. There's got. I wonder if there's a program there's got to be ai the shit that they can do now to, to like <laughs> type out words and then have a, a program translate that into like pulses for yeah. oh sure for i'm it. sure it's that yeah. that'd be the way to go you know script out the whole thing or have someone transcribe it afterward and then and <laughs> run it through that filter that'd be great and send out the episode like all right everyone enjoy the discussion and then it's just beeps and bloops the whole time <laughs> yep but then you got to put a secret code in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Like amongst it all, there has to be something valuable. Like there's $10,000 in those beeps and boops. If you listen close enough, <laughs> it's, a, it's a Visa it, gift card with 10 grand it, on it. It becomes you gotta figure it out. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would get people to listen and then they'd all argue about whether or not there was actually $10,000. <laughs> the problem is you have to promote that to a point where people can listen. We do, the promotion for the show doesn't work very well. As soon as you start saying ten thousand dollars free, yeah. promotion works. We don't, we, don't, we don't have a treasure hunt yet. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. True. You, you put cash out there in that amount, people are gonna notice right away. I wonder how many one stars we re review we get for that because people realize they have to listen to a whole two hours of Morse code to try to find <laughs> their free money. Especially when they find out it's not actually there. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, we got your click. Fuck you. See ya. <laughs> Peace out, buddy. <laughs> the end of it is like you were a willing participant in an experiment. Thank you. <laughs> that, was, that was in the fine print of the uh, of the agreement.
Yeah. Yeah. All right, so since we've uh, covered the previewing part of the movie, uh, we're going to dive into the post-viewing part of the movie. Uh, so before I pass the baton to Josh, I'm going to throw out the spoiler warning for A Quiet Place. So if you have not seen the movie and do not want spoiled, pause us now, come back after you've caught up. Otherwise, if you've seen the movie or want to listen to us talk about a movie you haven't seen, feel free to listen on. But either way, spoilers to follow. Wee-oo, wee-oo. Spoiler! Wee-oo, wee-oo. Spoiler! You know, something like that. Alright, and now that the spoiler warning is out of the way, uh, since I am on the hot seat for this one, I'm going to pass this off to Josh. He can direct this discussion uh, wherever he would like to take it. So, Josh, you're up. Go for it. Well, we are uh, returning, as Brian said, after... Uh, viewing A Quiet Place on this episode of Never Seen That. So thank you guys for sticking around. Uh, so Mike, obviously this is a a rewatch for you, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I know that's something we typically do with uh, our Rewind Theater stuff, but I figured I would just ask. Uh, this was obviously, I think, our third or fourth um viewing from for myself and given the nature of the segment it is a first time for brian correct uh well i i'd say from our pre-show discussion one of the things that you, you sounded like you were preparing yourself for is that you were aware enough that there was probably some kind of creature horror element to this story and because of that you assumed that some of the 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 tension and uh the tactics used would rely on uh jump scare moments things like that correct to what extent do you think it used that uh and and do you think it used it as a crutch did it overdo it was it just enough and and were there other kinds of tension devices you know enough that uh you know it it didn't seem one-dimensional i think Going in, I think I expected them to really overdo it. Um, I think they they used it effectively and and didn't overdo it. I think, you know, for a movie that has been hyped up based around quietness and that the easiest jump scare to jump scare for people to do in a quiet movie is to hit them with a very loud noise unexpectedly, uh, it could very well be abused in movies like this. But it was not, so that was good for me. I'm actually surprised that they didn't make me jump as much as I expected. And I don't know if maybe just because, again, I was going in expecting that kind of stuff. So I was kind of, you know, not white knuckling the the couch the whole time, but just on edge waiting for it. Like, okay, this it's going to happen. It's coming. Yeah. It's going to happen. They didn't really catch me off guard with any, but they did happen. Right. Okay. So and, and when you're saying they didn't make you jump, is that because you think the instances in which they were applying that technique weren't as many as you thought it would be, or even in the instances that it occurred? Um, it didn't really have that effect on you. I feel like I remember certain times, at least once, where I, I don't know if I was just prepared for it, but you and Sarah had seen this before. You guys jumped. I don't remember jumping at whatever. I don't remember what happened exactly, but I remember you guys jumping and making the comment like, I knew this was going to happen, and it got me anyway. Yes, and I forget And I feel like I was, was. okay. Uh, what, what I think they do effectively in here, and Mike, d- d- from having the most recent viewing of this, um, is I think a lot of suspense movies and, and, and to be fair, I, I I think it's fair to categorize this movie as a good mixture of certain uh genre types. 
it's creature horror, but it's also definitely like thriller and suspense. Um, I, I feel like suspense especially telegraphs a lot of what they want you to prepare yourself for. Um, that was the word Brian, I think, used. You know, you're kind of preparing for the moment. Um, things just sort of like in, in, in any scene where you get a jump scare or a loud noise type thing i feel like there, uh, there's such a minimal score for this and there's so little happening that they don't use a lot of traditional elements building for like 10 15 seconds to a moment that other films and other type of these movies then execute you know there's not like a rising musical sound or quick uh cuts back and forth to characters waiting for something to happen it's like setting the stage for that moment for you whereas i felt with this it just like if it, it either happens or it doesn't it's very natural like what's going on in the scene what's going on in the environment and then just the moment occurs um did you uh what, what, does it does after a couple of viewings now mike does it still seem that organic and like as as natural as i remember it being like it still felt very, very relaxed to me. Um, it, it felt as natural as it did the first time for me. Um, I'd say this probably the third viewing, mm -hmm. and it felt like it was where it should be. You know, what I mean, in terms of like things like all this going on, it felt. I don't want to say like you know, what I mean, like the found footage type films. Mm -hmm quite as much because it again you didn't have the shitty camera and stuff like that going on it was Thank very God. well filmed <laughs> yes. um but it definitely felt that way from the way people were acting and the way things happened and the jump scares that they put in were appropriate i think is the best term i can find i mean for example for me, at least, like, you know, they, they open the movie with a bit of a jump scare in, a, in, you know, in those opening moments with the kid, with the rocket ship, and John Krasinski does an amazing job, especially, like, that opening scene when he's sprinting in dead silence, stops in dead silence, and, you know, like, the kid gets taken away in that, you know, fla flash of an eye, you know, I mean, it's just, boom, the kid's gone, and it's a bit of a jump scare, but it's not, because you knew, like something was going to happen the way they framed the scene. Like, it wasn't going to go down friendly. It's the opening scene of a movie. They're mm -hmm. going to show you the threat. It's not right. going to be, oh, my God. If it was a shitty movie, it might <laughs> do that, where it's like, oh, my God, dude, we can't make a sound because they'll come for us, and then you don't see what it is or something. That would be stupid. Right. What's the what's the movie term for, like, setups and payoffs? Isn't that, like, Chekhov's gun or something like that? Something like that, yeah. It sounds familiar, but if right. they're... If there is i am not as familiar it's, with it. it's more or less like something like if you show something to lead to something later you better make sure you hit that later beat like don't tease something if you're not going to finish it off sure yeah and i think this movie does a very good job at setting up that first thing and paying it off later now yeah and, and speaking of that opening scene it um brian it felt like you were as we were watching this together you were like telegraphing a bit of what might happen um you know they they're, they're perusing the pharmacy and you see the kid with a toy and they explicitly show you they show him taking the batteries 
again after his sister took them out of the plane, out of the shuttle. Um, do you... I mean, that little prick deserved to die. <laughs> he had it coming. He was a little idiot. I think, like, in my notes, I wrote down, like, you can see in this kid's blank expression when he, when the parents are talking to him, like, they should not let this child make decisions. They should not do it. Like, this child needs to be watched the whole time. This kid's dumb as fuck. Like, you can see it in his face. Like, the kid's actor is great if he's acting mm-hmm. that moment because the kid, they, like, the way he plays that kid, assuming he's acting, he's very young. I don't know if he's actually acting it, but, like, the blank, just pure lack of understanding of anything that's happening around him and and on top of that perfect. i think I, I, you know the movie the movie opens within the first I, I forget which specific day it says it is but it's within the first couple weeks of the event so that i wrote down that was okay. 89 the movie opens on day 89, day 89. okay so it's still day 89, three, so three months three three months in for a family who lives on a farm who is not used to having to you know, monitor their noise levels in their day-to-day lives pre this event and all that. Um, you know, for the kid who's that young to just really not grasp grasp the the gravity of the whole thing and still, you know, still just wants to be four years old and and, and do the things a four-year-old wants. He wants his toys and toys make noise, etc., um, I think that came across very well. I mean, d- did it, Brian, did, did it take away the impact, do you think, of how that opening played out? Because it was a bit, as I said, telegraphed. Like, you, you knew they, they were intentionally showing you everything you needed to know to understand that something bad is going to happen. Yeah, and I, I, for movies in general, I appreciate when the movie shows it to you. Well, I get, well... There's a difference between, like, just someone going through exposition and and basically telling the audience what's going to happen. This movie didn't do that. It shows you the visual cues Mm -hmm. and the breadcrumbs to what's going to happen. I appreciate stuff like that a lot more. So, I and I think I even, and I'm the type of person, if I really wanted to watch horror movies and got into that kind of thing, I'm so on edge most of the time that I have to talk during them. So, I'm the type of person you don't want in the theater with you because I will try (laughs) to talk through these things because that's how I process. Fair. And even watching it with Josh and Sarah in the beginning, like when they take the batteries out, I'm like, oh, okay. I think I even talked out loud when I was saying it, but Mm -hmm. like, okay, he can take the toy without the batteries. That's cool. And then you see him take the batteries. Then I'm like, oh no, this is not going to go well. Yeah. And of course that pays off five minutes later. Right. So yeah, I appreciate the setups and payoffs like that. I think, I think movies that can do that well are, are very good. The, so, Go ahead. I, I, there's something about that first that I would mention that is, is why this movie's better than a lot of horror movies and thrillers and whatnot out there like that. There's a lot of horror, horror movies that would be lazy about this and just have the kid have a rocket ship for no reason and wouldn't go through that whole sequence of events showing you, you know, the acquisition of it, the taking it away, the taking the batteries out, going through all these steps to get there. I feel like there's a lot of horror movies that wouldn't do that, and they just have the rocket ship start making noises out of nowhere because he's a kid and he has a rocket ship. Right, and just pulls it out of his backpack just because. Right, and the parents would totally let him keep a toy that makes noise in his backpack and actually have that around. And, you know, there's movies that would do that kind of thing. Um, 
you know, and it's a lot of appreciation on my end for a movie that takes the time to not do that. Yeah. But at the same time, I had an issue where you guys are talking like the 89 days. First and foremost, did they say what state this is in? Do we get like an idea of where they're at? And they ever I mean, said that? I don't remember. US, I don't. I don't think they explicitly say. I got. I got the impression okay. it was. It was like rural northeast. Okay. Well, either way, they acquired a lot of sand and laid a lot of sand paths in a very short period of time. That that part, I was like, man, you know, like I get why they would have done it but I really would not have wanted to do that. That sounds like an awful task. Well, I'm assuming that whoever else is sort of alive, like has survived is this, far, this long, it? is doing the same thing. Okay. Because um, I have your thought, is that one family cannot get that much sand to lay a pathway to and from town all the way to their house. Like, I think you're led every to every store. Yeah. And... I think you're led to believe there are other surviving families doing the same exact yeah, they... thing. They they kind of show that when he lights the fire in the evening right. and you can see the other fires yeah. in the distance. They lay those breadcrumbs, and I'm okay with that. But the part that pissed me off, because practically speaking, um, they're they're going around barefoot, mm-hmm. right? Aren't socks even quieter than your bare feet? For one, which that's in deba- that's not even debatable. Socks are a hundred percent quieter than your bare feet, and they offer a little layer of protection. Why would you be going around in bare feet when you could be going around in socks? And that that part just bugged me. Like, socks didn't go away. This is not the <laughs> sock apocalypse. It would make 100% more sense to be going around in socks. Well, I also feel like, I guess logically, if you wear socks without shoes, your socks are going to wear out a lot more quickly. So? So... Your Gra- feet granted, are going to wear out. That's why we wear shoes, right? So, but three months later, they might have, they might still have some socks. Sure, but like when you get to like day four hundred and whatever the hell they're on, I'm assuming they went through all of their socks. That's true. Like so- sock acquisition. We were on day ninety, difficult. and they were all barefoot in the opening scene, and they made that very like evident, didn't they? I mean, right? Yeah, it was. It, they they that, were focusing on the fact that they were going around barefoot. Like they made a point of it. And I'm like, ninety days in, you are not out of socks. Right. That's what I mean. I'll give you the I'll give you the ninety day period, but four hundred and whatever, four hundred and seventy whatever day they're on. By then I think they're Even out of socks. Then, I don't think, man. <laughs> I, well, I the, like I, then, I don't think four hundred like to, a year in you think the socks are dead. You don't have to stop most to, people have a couple dozen pairs of socks. You don't like, you don't have buy, to use like, common resources dozens. constantly washing them, making noise from that, etc. it it was I I I point taken, it was not something that ever pulled me out. It didn't pull me out. It was just something where, like, if quiet is the goal, bare feet will slap on a hard floor. Socks won't. Yeah, fair. Maybe maybe they'll make that correction in the in the sequel. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. It was just like a little pet peeve. Yeah, the, fair. The only other thing I wrote down in the beginning of that movie... Um, and like in terms of notes and like that whole opening sequence and that range is like you can both answer this question for me. Is it possible not to like John Krasinski? Um, I mean, I some parts of things I see on the internet tell me yes, but I I think at least ninety percent of that small contingent is just the group of people who intentionally shit on 
anything that anyone else likes for the sake of it. Oh yeah, yeah. The correct answer is no. Yeah, the, no, it is it, not possible correct. to not like yeah, him. It's just like I see him and I'm like, oh, this guy's cool. Yeah, I like this guy. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what it is about him. It's just like he seems like a good guy. Uh, just like yeah, he's, he's last uh, yeah. point about the opening. We can kind of walk through the rest of it then. Is uh, Brian? Did you recognize who the the actor who plays their youngest son, who doesn't make it out of the opening? No, should I have? Uh, so this movie was released in what March of I think March of 2018, and the kid had I honestly he probably had more screen time in this than the other thing that I now realized that he was in when we were rewatching. Um, he is the youngest son of Hawkeye. In uh, Avengers Endgame, now I see the face. Yep, yep. He's. I want to. I go ahead. Yep. Yeah. No. You. You got the ketchup line right. That's exactly what I thought of when I saw him. I, I want to tell you how bad it is that I couldn't think of that. I watched Endgame last night, <laughs> <laughs> and then like, quiet I, like I'm, laying, I'm laying down to go to bed, so I only you know watched probably the first hour of it before I fell asleep. Oh, that's that's the opening but, scene. So you saw him. It, it is it is the first <laughs> scene yes. in Endgame that that kid appears in, and I had no clue. I'm sitting here like, so interesting. What is he about to say? Interestingly, so the only two things that we recognize this small child actor from are two movies that he doesn't make it out of like the first six minutes. <laughs> he disappears in both of them. <laughs> yes, that's true. He might not be dead here, here in this one. <laughs> they, they like technically speaking, you know. For a quiet place, we don't know what they're doing with the humans. I made a note of that at mm. the beginning of the movie because there's a there's like a a board in town with all the missing people's pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was curious if that was a question that was going to get answered through the movie is whether these people are being captured and kept somewhere or if they are being killed. Uh, I, mean, I, it, I it, by it, the end it, of the movie, I was leaning towards these people are dead, and, and but that thought could... had crossed my mind. Right, and it, I mean, who knows? It. I don't know where they're going with the next chapter. It could end up being a mixture of the two. We obviously see fatalities and and and, and deaths in this film that yeah. don't, you know, go any further. It's not like the, they're showing, like, oh, the bodies are even, like, removed from the place that the creature kills the person. Yeah. Um, but that's an interesting... That never occurred to me. Um, so I, I wonder, yeah, if it could go that direction. Well, and I guess it like falls into the fact that they didn't really answer what the hell these things are or where they came from, which I'm hoping maybe the second one has something for that. So, in after this this last viewing recently, um, as I as I was looking back at like more production things about the movie. Uh, that that were written after its release. Apparently, among a lot of the newspaper clippings and notes that Krasinski's character has plastered in the basement around stuff, apparently some of them do contain headlines about um, some kind of like meteor impact in Mexico. Um, oh. and, 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 okay. and one other thing, I, I can't remember the specific of what it alluded to, but it absolutely gives the at least the initial impression that you know, these weren't necessarily alien species, some kind of, you know, outer space extraterrestrial creature wasn't I mean, necessarily 
a lab experiment or like these things came from the depths of the earth yeah. type of thing. Um, not definitively an answer yet, of course, but um, at least maybe some initial uh, foundation was there. Um, I, I mean, I, like I said, I've seen it three or four times now and none of those uh, notes uh, th- that are displayed ever really stood out to me it's not anything i ever observed before so you know maybe it wasn't really front and center yeah i feel like i've seen one that said like dark angels or something like that it it, it was like trying to attribute them as like some sort of like bad angel like it it, Mm. like dark angel it didn't say demons you know what i mean but it said like dark angels or something along those lines that's just like that's the only like headline i remember jumping out at me from the stuff he had on the wall Mm -hmm. uh brian the one moment along the way that i i feel i observed you reacting to the most or 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 at least in in a significant way was when uh krasinski and his son return to the farm after going out on the supply run and obviously like the creatures have shown up emily blunt is in labor she has turned the red lights on. Um, something about the change in that mood um, seemed to, at, at least from me observing you watching it, seemed to strike you like a, 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 a noticeable, like, oh, okay. Like now they're, they're back. They know there's danger. And the tone of the movie is now changing. Did I read that wrong? No, yeah, because I think, you know, that part of the movie, it really just kicks into high gear and doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. And I think just aesthetically, like the way things, like the, the set design, the direction, all that stuff, and maybe it leans into more with like the world building that they've done. Um, Just just the logic, the, the, the thought of logic it takes to like, what would happen if we can't make a noise? How do we communicate mm-hmm. and move around? Like, you know, with the sand and no shoes and sign language and using lights that these things don't seem to care about, but it's a definitely like in this instance, an early warning system for anyone else that's there to tell you like, Hey, something's wrong. You change the lights from yellow to to red, like stuff like that. The thought that it, it takes to, for that to come through and you just get it instantly. I appreciate stuff like that. And, and I think, yeah, that change in tone to just like, mm-hmm. okay, we're, we're into the shit now. At that part of the movie, it was uh, yeah, edge of my seat. I think for the back half, for sure. Okay, okay. Uh, and and what would so if that's the back half, what would you say your m- mood or mental state is then for for the for Act One, most of Act Two? How is it making you feel watching what they're doing? Uh, well, I think with the with the world building aspect of it, like the first part of the movie, first half probably you're still getting a sense of like what's going on and and how they're dealing with it. And again, just the way that they explain that to you just by going about their day to day was cool. I liked seeing how they figure all this stuff out. Cause it's stuff that like, I I guess, you know, I wouldn't necessarily think of if, if I have to live in a world like this, but it all made perfect sense why they did what they did and how it works this way. And to the extent that they, and and you know, Mike, this is for you as well, uh, for for both of you, to the extent that they are trying to create this world that this scenario exists, do you think 
that the way that they portrayed this family, at least that we're observing what they're going through, the measures they took, um, what was it transcendent to you enough that it was like, okay, I believe this, or did you always have eyes on it that, okay, this is a silly creature horror movie? I, I mean, I was in it. I believed what they were doing and how it was working. Nothing nothing broke me from the movie, I guess. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I don't think they really, like, messed up their mood in any way at any point. And it's funny, like, how just the little things give me anxiety. Like, <laughs> I mean, the the nail was the most anxiety-inducing yes. piece of the movie for me. That and that was earlier. That was okay. another piece. Oh, Mike, you you wouldn't believe it. Like it, it, he he said out loud the only thing I have ever thought about that, which was the Home Alone reference. Yeah, they played that much differently than Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> that Marv trying to get upstairs the first time from the basement steps on the nail. Um, that 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 is really the only other cinema reference of of my lifetime that. I have at least banked away that I know that I can pull out at any second. I know it. It's there. Yeah. They're like, oh, so you're walking up steps and you step on a nail? Marv, Home Alone. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Marv's scream and Home Alone <laughs> might have really <laughs> fucked up these monsters from a quiet place. Like, just putting it out there. You get the right frequency. Yeah, he could have done it. <laughs> if anybody could do it, it's him. Yeah. So that's, you know. And that was one. So, Brad, again, I there there's little aspects to this that I thought if they had done a little more subtly might have been a little more impactful. The nail for me was one of them. Like it's, it's, it's very, very deliberate of yes, showing you what you need to know, but was it almost too much right in your face? Like, obviously we're showing you this sticking up. Somebody is stepping on that later. Well, I think that's the it's it's a, it's a narrative choice, right? It's okay. it's again goes back to the Chekhov's gun type of thing. Right. So we're going to show you this thing, so the audience knows it's there, mm -hmm. and you're just waiting for it to pay off. It's the same as like the audience discovering a secret of like someone's secret identity. Mm -hmm. Is like you know the the audience is told this guy's the bad guy, but the heroes don't know that guy's the bad guy. So you're waiting for that shoe to drop the whole movie. It's, it, it's, it's Spider-Man telling Mary Jane Watson that he's Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so along that line, so, so, right. So if showing you the nail, something has to happen with the nail later. We know this showing yes. you the kid taking the batteries, something has to happen with the toy, with the battery, something later. So, but, but is there a way, what was, was knowing that basically from the moment you see that nail sticking up, you're just waiting for someone to step on it and yes. someone steps on it. So you're, you're, happy because that thing paid off but is there is the right, happy, word, but... right but <laughs> but is there well you're you're not unhappy that the thing that they took time to show you didn't pay off right okay. um, yeah is there a way to get to the step on the nail moment that is still a little more subtle than we're showing you her walk up the steps and we're panning back down to the step that has the nail sticking out I feel like you have to show it that way because if it's just like her going up the steps, you hear the nail but don't see it. Then mm -hmm. when she steps on the nail later, you're like, "Where'd the nail come from?" Okay, fair. Yeah. 
I mean, like it, it, the only thing I could think of as you were doing it, my brain was going there. It's you guys' fault for bringing up Home Alone, but I was thinking like a crossover and fucking Kevin putting it there intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's it, that's just where my brain went. I mean, so I will I say too, like just, that you know the nail thing. Granted, like maybe what you're talking about, Josh, is that it's not surprising when someone steps on it later. Correct. What was surprising to me is that I felt they set up the daughter stepping on the nail. So it surprised me when Emily Blunt did. Mm, okay, okay. Because they set up earlier that the daughter wants to go in the basement. Okay. She's trying to go Fair. to the basement. So I wrote in my notes, the daughter's going to step on the nail. Oh, and okay. it surprised me when his wife did. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and that could pr- that could have actually proved to be an interesting dynamic because obviously like she's not... It's they're not necessarily conveying her as mute. She's just simply deaf, and if she is deaf, she wouldn't. If she wasn't able to hold in her scream of pain, she wouldn't know how loud she is. Right. So that okay, that would have been an interesting. And it, way to take I think it. that point of the movie, Emily Blunt's character is going through enough. So I was like, okay. "Don't you dare give her this nail. <laughs> She's going through enough right now." And then of course they just compound things and also give her the nail. I thought it would be, my logic was saying it's going to be more tense if the mother is in labor, the daughter steps on the nail, and then what happens? Mm. Maybe that's what they wanted to do, but they couldn't find a way out of it. And that could work. Yeah, that could yeah, be. I mean, they may have, like, storyboarded that and been like, well, then she'd have to die. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they, and they, they couldn't find, like, a logical solution to the problem. Yeah. So the the narrative logic for me was was pointing towards the daughter. So I was still surprised when it happened to be mom. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, was there anything about this, uh, you know, still from the genre perspective that uh, wasn't really in your wheelhouse? Still, like, still, like, falls into that. This is why I don't watch horror movies stuff. It. I mean. I've gone on record, like mainly the gory stuff for me is not there mm-hmm. is, is, you know what I shy away from this movie doesn't have that. So I'm, I'm good with that. Okay. Um, jump scares are not typically something I go out of my way to experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was glad that they were not plentiful in this movie, <laughs> but it's still not something that I seek out. There was not a plethora of jump yeah, scares. Yeah, correct. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, all things considered, I think this is a very, like, I don't even know if I'd call this a horror movie, but suspense thriller for sure and that's more in my wheelhouse than a uh horror movie okay that's that's good to know because there's definitely like something quickly um a movie called there's actually a trilogy called feast comes to mind that is absolutely undeniably creature horror okay and so that you know distinguishing between the two that sounds like that would definitely not fall on your side of the fence yeah probably not um, and see where, where, where I was thinking yeah. he could go with this. If you're talking about like quality, good suspense thriller things that are widely considered part of the horror genre, mm-hmm. but maybe not creature, but is uh, a movie called The Gift. Mm, um, okay, you you might actually be really into that's Jason Bateman. Um, okay, I believe. Yeah, and uh, Joel yeah. Edgerton. Yeah, who wrote and directed. Yes, it is um, quite a good suspense movie for you to check out. Okay. So I think it's Netflix made, too, so it should just be there. Gotcha. Keep that in our back pocket. 
Yeah, I mean, I still don't know if I'd go out of my way to, like, hit this type of genre and stuff like that. <laughs> but it still might be pulling teeth and, you know, pulling my arm to get me to watch some of this stuff. But, yeah, it it was not a terrible experience. I will admit that. Good. Um, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Was what, for, let's talk, like, story elements. Was, even though we just used sort of the, the words, like, oh, this surprised me. Um, in, a, in a broader sense, broad strokes, what from a story overall story arc perspective did anything surprise you how a particular thing played out or ended up i think uh and i think we talked about it after we were done i wasn't sure if krasinski was gonna die i and i I only got confused just from seeing previews of of part two okay and that i know he's in the previews for part two and like, granted, he's not in a lot of the previews, but there's certain se- sequences of the trailer where he's there. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking, okay, maybe he's got to make it through this because he's in two. But it wasn't until after the movie was done and he, obviously he died that I was like, wait a minute. The sequences that I remember from the part two trailer seem to be the beginning of all of this stuff. And since we start on day 89, the beginning sequence of part two must be a prequel section. Or, sure. or at least a prequel section occurs at some point. Right. Like um, some sort of flashback scene. So that, that kind that would of make sense, right? surprised me a bit. D- so did, did your preconception of him not making it out of the first one, do you think, come from like things you heard about the movie in the last three years? Or you uh, just thought, well, okay, Krasinski is playing a father figure. There's horror. There's suspense, etc. Therefore, the way you write these kind of movies stands to reason he might not make it out. Well, I think narratively, I think everybody in the movie was feeling guilty over the the youngest's death. Mm-hmm. So I figured someone's going to go. And I would have put money on Krasinski, but I didn't want to fully commit to that because I'm like, he's in the trailers for the other one. So he was gotcha. the logical choice, I think. Okay. So if had, had I not seen trailers for part two, I probably would have pegged him as the one to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so it didn't really surprise me, I, I guess, in that sense. But I I liked the way the story went with that arc and did you and, and mike i want your input on this as well every time sarah and i watch this we we can't help but saying out loud one of us will say it to the other which is in that moment that he decides to do what he does if he's if he's willing to die is there any reason that he could still try to not die uh yeah that's actually one of the biggest notes i've always had with this movie is that these things are drawn to sound and he drops the axe instead of throwing it 50 feet in a different direction to have it crash into whatever crops they have out there and make a bunch of noise way far away. Um, Which is option I, I f- one, okay. I, I feel like there's many options here that they had that wasn't just him screaming and dying. And it was like the one thing in the movie that took me out and said, like, well, that was dumb. You could have done a lot more. Plus, it doesn't necessarily guarantee the safety of the kids. Because these things are going to dispatch of you pretty quickly, it seems like, and be right back at it. It doesn't seem like they're eating people. You know what I mean? It doesn't right. seem like it's sustenance. It seems like it's just kill. Quite possible. Which, which, given our earlier comment, we're not entirely sure about maybe, which we might find out more right. about. But We, uh, we don't know exactly what they're doing. But at the same time, it seems like they're very capable of killing him and mm-hmm. still getting back and killing the children very quickly. So it doesn't... To me, what he does there only serves the purpose of a brief distraction. Right. And there was at least a few other options to do. 
or, or to try. But Brian, what was your yeah, try reaction yeah, as like, as you're seeing that play out? Yeah, I mean, logically, that yeah, that makes sense. I could I could get behind that. I guess I, from my perspective, maybe I'm seeing it just as like he's at that point. I'm I'm assuming he's mortally wounded, like because he gets hit down before that before right. he decides to yell. And I think at that point, he's realizing there's no chance for me. So if I'm going to go, I have to just make sure I do something to give the kids a chance. And I think the the okay. loudest noise possible is the best chance they have. Which which makes sense to me, and I can be on board. So I'm, I'm a mixture of, of your both of your comments, which is, if and I to be fair, my calculus never included how injured he already is. But if that is the case and you want to make the loudest distraction possible and and to mike's point potentially give the the kids the most amount of time which really is the critical factor here uh give them the opportunity to have the most time to get out of this scenario if you're if you think you're already going to die and if you're again if you're willing to die if you get taken out quickly and you haven't created that much time wouldn't it at least be worth it to try to maybe not like not die but maybe try to wound the thing or take it with you something like to me the 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 fact that he drops the axe i don't understand well the other thought that i just sort of had now and it maybe defeats the purpose of the point you just made of like being able to sustain a loud noise Mm mm-hmm but this goes back to the setup of like being by the waterfall and it like louder noises dr- drowning out smaller noises mm-hmm. is that in that moment he's screaming as loud as he possibly can. And the truck gets thrown into neutral and glides down the hill. Sure. In my mind, the louder scream is drowning out the truck rolling down the hill. Sure. And and I'm game with all of that. I just don't know why you wouldn't at least try to get one swing with that weapon at this creature before it's going to kill you anyway, which you're willing to be killed. Yeah, fair point. I, yeah, I there's a lot of things that, that you, if you look deeper into how they're handling these creatures that make no sense. They're very large, blind creatures that run very quickly when drawn to sound, and nobody could figure out how to deal with them because they didn't use bear traps. It It's just... If you put bear traps all over the damn place, you're just going to catch them and they're going to be stuck. It's not like it's it's something as simple as that that is completely ignored as a possible solution for things that are blind. Well, I guess they're I blind. Pegged you it can as some trap sort of like a sonar. Because how else, if they just run blindly towards noise, you'd think they run into trees all the time. Even if it's sonar, they're not going to, like, it. they'd be so easily trapped. Things that only well, true. That, like react that strongly to sound... So trap them in shipping containers. So the, to me, like it's, part of the the trailer, and to be fair, I have not watched, I have not rewatched the part two trailer since last year. I watched it mm-hmm. like whenever it came out in late 2019 or early 2020, in anticipation yeah. for its release, and I haven't wa- rewatched it since, um, and I'm not going to before I see before I see it. Um, the tone of of some of it that I remember seems to touch on we will connect with other people we are carrying the for the 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 story forward from where we left it off as well so in those moments we may see yeah. how did others 
survive? What tactics did they take? Have communities been able to guard themselves, et cetera? Um, so, so Mike, some of those things that you're saying, like just because they didn't show this one small family group do certain things that that might otherwise seem to sure. be, you know, doesn't doesn't mean that it won't be illustrated. And it might not be. It, it, it could definitely be illustrated that others have done these things. And you know, does every farm family out in the middle of nowhere are they going to have access to a horde of bear traps? You know, for instance, I'd say they're more likely to have the bear traps out in the middle of nowhere where bears might be as opposed to people in cities where bears generally aren't. That That is true. I'm saying just be just because that's this, why I think this, of bear traps and not like. Yeah, I'm just because just this particular one hasn't said that this family did everything that otherwise might make sense that in the world they're building. Nobody did. Why? Well, to me, that was like a part of the problem, though. They, like it, just because like. I feel like these creatures are not formidable enough to cause a human apocalypse, essentially. Like, it seems like life is pretty much shot. Well, we also don't know the extent to how quickly they scattered and how many there were. I mean, all all the, like, quick uh, uh, background information that they give you through, again, like, newspaper clippings or other, uh, other things that they show you, they're pinpointing you know, huge population areas around the earth. So either, you know, maybe we'll learn that they, that they quote landed or emerged in multiple places at once, or there were so many of them that like, let's say that one clipping was correct. And the person who wrote it up was right. And they landed in Mexico. And one of the things that they talk about is like mass casualties and like the eradication of like Beijing, you know, how did they get from Mexico to Beijing? So I, I I always took it for granted that there are at least enough of them that th- the way that they are able to be drawn to to such an easy stimulus like sound and just by volume that they're it, it was easy enough for them to wreck shit. I think we also take for granted how much noise we make in a given day. I don't Fair mean point. I just mean like it, it, to me it just seems like. They're organic. Mm-hmm. They don't have weaponry. You know what I mean? It, it, I like, was led to believe there's some sort of like armor or shell to them. I feel like it's like like a shell like an insect would have. You know exoskeleton, I mean? like an exoskeleton yeah. kind of thing. Okay. It, it's not like armor, armor. It's not like designed. It's just part of them. But it's still organic, which means I it, like I really feel like. You know, she's able to kill it with a single shotgun shot at the end there once it's a little bit exposed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, the brain part or whatever is exposed. Some, some part of its head's exposed. Nonetheless, I don't see them, like, shutting down the human race without some kind of something. There's animals that one-on-one without weapons humans can't deal with, like tigers. Sure. But we just keep tigers in cages for fun because we can and we can go stare at them at the zoo and point at them and laugh at them. And But tigers are really dangerous animals. But they also, I, I mean, and they, I feel like these things also, would pose no more threat than that. True. But it, it also seems like the, the, the creature design that they are imbuing into these things is not only that they react to sound, but that they instinctively, reflexively and, and solely attack mostly to kill seemingly the source of that sound 
that that is what they do you know any any other real life thing that you could draw a comparison to that you know humans would have uh difficulty in dealing with is not going to react in that specific extreme way to any one particular basic stimulus so is that i mean that's another one of the things that just didn't necessarily pull me out of it per se i i, I was good with all of that I honestly didn't think of it until this discussion. <laughs> so Fair it didn't enough. pull me out of it. It's just one of those things that I notice now that I'm thinking, like, these things really aren't a threat. This isn't, like, we have our resources. This is happening on our planet. And I feel like usually when you see a monster like this that is this much of a threat, it's in a situation where the humans involved don't have all of the means that we would have on earth to defend ourselves. So something like alien where they're stuck on a ship mm -hmm. or pitch black where they're on a random ass planet, you know what I mean? Or, you know, so on and so yep. there's how many of them out there there's a ton. True. They're always somewhere else. And when it's on earth, the things that come here to do it like independence day, they they're superior to us in every way. You know, they show up and they destroy our planet because we can't attack them. We can't do anything. We've got nothing. Here, I, I don't see that. And that's what that that's the only thing that's, like, bugging me now about it. <laughs> so you're saying in the sequel they're going to show us that the silver bullet is to give them a cold. You're making the, Maybe. You're making the Independence Day parallels. I, mean, I figured that's a, where you were going. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good place virus. to spend. I mean, Computer virus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Viruses always work. Um, let's actually spin real quick to uh, last couple questions, Brian. Um, the creature design itself, um, the 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 look of it, it it's obviously very unique. It's um, like, how did it make you feel? Did it seem believable? Did it was it too over the top at times? Uh, what did you think about it? No, I was I was with it. I I liked the way they looked. I I liked uh, you know, sort of what you were saying. The logic of just like. Maybe it's at the point where I think the creatures want it quiet. So anytime there's a noise, they just want to kill it because they just like quiet. Like I, I like that kind of just primal instinct type of thing. And so to that point, when you know you see the behavior of them through throughout the movie, um, I guess I should have realized this, but maybe I didn't just take the second to think about it. There are really only four characters in this entire film with what we'll call speaking parts. You know, you, you, you including the you know the daughter who in real life is also deaf and is only speaking through sign language throughout the film. But I don't even remember if the young the youngest child who dies. I don't even remember if he has like a sign language moment in that opening sequence. He gets taken out. Then the only other two humans you see are he says something about the rocket ship, doesn't he? Um, oh yeah, he does say rocket. Does he? Okay. Yeah, like when he's talking to the daughter, he says something about rocket ship. He draws the rocket ship and says, that's how we're going to get out. Oh, we're okay. Gonna fly away. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so I stand corrected on that. Um, but then the only, only other humans you see, one is already dead and doesn't say anything. And the old man who only screams to the heavens in an effort to draw his own death to himself. So this really, this entire story is carried by four people. Which I, I mean, if, me personally, yes. I think that is, because because I think and the movie is very strong. I, I think that is a plus for the film that that that's a, a, a something that they pulled off 
Oh yeah, I think I think the the family dynamic and the acting and all that stuff I think was top notch. I I was on board with all all that. Emily Blunt does a fucking fantastic job when all that shit goes at the fan at her. <laughs> like that's great. She plays terrified very well. She wasn't ever really doing horror or thriller movies like that mm-hmm. before. But seeing her in it here, it's like, damn, she actually she does really well with this. Yeah. She actually looks horrified. She looks like somebody in that situation would probably look. Yeah. And and I it was it was very well done. Uh, I'd say this time around on this viewing, uh, Mike, to that point you just made about her background, I tried to keep that in mind to think if if there was something else that that i could draw from and i think like maybe the closest i could come is like the girl on the train um which is definitely like more mystery suspense than anything like this that even borders yeah. on on horror perhaps um and, and there are you know certain other actors and actresses that if you look back in their earlier days uh you can often find something like that i mean not to the extent that like jennifer aniston was in leprechaun like those types, but even Leprechaun. Yeah. But like someone like a Rachel McAdams was in, uh, was it called red eye? Right. So like mm-hmm. sometimes every now and then you find those examples, but you're right. I, I really couldn't think of anything to pull for her that I, I thought, Oh yeah. You know, I've seen her, you know, bring us these chops before. Um, this was kind of the first time for me as well. And I, I, I thought she knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I agree. Agreed. Coming from very to little, you know, little to no horror experience or anything like that. But yes, I agree. Um, so unless there's any uh, other points about the production or the story, the shooting, anything that you guys would specifically like to bring up, we can kind of get into the wind down questions. Uh, two really quick, just bullet points for me. Yeah. Um. Well, maybe three. I don't know if we really talked about it. I, th- I thought the directing was very well done for being Krasinski's like, first directing gig. I thought he did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is actually it, his third it's part of the movie that... Oh, maybe we did talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> we did, but his other two, I believe, I remember looking them up, were not things I recognized at all. But I, right, I think this that's is definitely I something his like his biggest... Because the other two I've never heard of. Yeah, correct. Like This is something like biggest scale and ambition... Uh, ambitious project I'd say yeah um, and it is sort of like the whole point of the movie but the sound design and editing I thought was really great for this movie mm-hmm. it kind of had to be yeah it's yeah, it's the whole like, shtick yeah and um, it, uh, it, it did get uh, an Oscar nomination for uh, best achievement in sound editing it did not win of course but it's a, yeah right because <laughs> it's genre um but, uh, yeah, I, I think they definitely excelled in that as well. And then the last little bullet point that I wrote for myself at the end of this, and if part two was not coming already, I would have thought that maybe they would have shifted tone if they did a sequel. Mm-hmm. But the way this movie ends, I was gearing up for like, okay, here comes the action movie shit, and then it just quits. Yeah. yeah it, th- that's when you hear Metallica start playing, you're like, Yes. Like there's such a <laughs> noticeable tone shift there to like okay shit's coming down she cocks the shotgun like let's let's fucking defend our house and then it just goes to black Come and you're like okay some. all right that's where we're gonna end now. I I really kind of I dig that I had the same reaction the first time. Um, I, I spe- that that one action she took, you know, the, with with the shotgun. After she did it, it took me a while to realize, you know, she's having this mixture of emotions, which is 
I can't believe we just killed one of these things. We also may have found its Achilles heel. We might have found a, a, a chink in the armor, a way to actually affect them. Mixed with, and maybe immediately followed by, oh shit, I just shot a shotgun. Anything, yeah. you know, in, in an X mile radius, we don't know like really what the, the sensitivity range of these things are. It's, it's like she immediately goes to, yeah. they're like, it's on. Like, we don't have a choice. Like, they're they're here. They're coming. They're here. Right. Yeah, the adrenaline is flowing at that point, for sure. <laughs> and I thought... Maybe she liked it. Maybe she shot that thing in the head, saw it explode, and she's like... All of a sudden, like, she just turns into Duke Nukem. It, I yeah. got Sarah Connor like, vibes. Fuck yeah. Right there. This is like, yes. let's fucking do it. That is good. And that's what I... I want to shoot more things in the head. Yeah. I, I, I actually really like that choice to end after all the tension of of the movie and you're you're like especially watching this in a theater you're like okay after an hour and a half i just unclenched my butt and she she gets she knocks that shotgun and it ends and you're like okay okay that like it it felt deserved like they earned that moment by that point yeah, yeah i'll give you that for for them for them to not give us the tension relief that we wanted the whole time and that's what it would have provided yeah. us it would have okay now i now it is okay for me to feel and breathe to breathe again and yes all of it and it kept it for itself and yeah. it was it it kept it for the the story the story has it and it's going to move forward for her to do take those actions and whatnot but that's for them and I thought that was a really brilliant move. Yeah, I agree. And personally, the only other thing I noted about mm-hmm. it, like Brian talked earlier about like the anxiety-inducing <laughs> uh, scene. For, for me, that was the corn. Um, when they're like try, trying to not drown in the corn, that's the anxiety-inducing thing for me. Like, oh, yeah, watching yeah. that whole sequence where they're helpless against corn... <laughs> And it's just like you're just screwed. There's no. It's quick corn, quicksand corn, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, and it's just killing them. And it's like, oh god, I don't want to be in that scenario ever. I will panic and die. Yeah. And it, it that was just really well done. I just want to know where they got all the corn. How did they harvest the corn into kernels without machinery running? Or is well, it just it's... been there for four hundred days? I don't yeah. know. Does corn last that long in that <laughs> scenario? I have. I don't know. For all our agricultural listeners, please chime in on the comments <laughs> and school us on the life cycle of corn. Yeah, it, it like I, I feel like they could not have made all that corn. I feel like that was too much corn for them to be harvesting. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was still in that in 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 the silo. Over, over that time, I don't know how much you go, like a single farm would go through, especially if they're not, depending on what their lifestyle was before, if they're not, you know, producing and selling as much as they were to clear out what they were growing like they used to. Maybe they just haven't gone through what was already in that silo from the last, you know, months. Oh, no, I, I, I get that. that. I just, like, I feel like the corn looked very healthy. Oh. <laughs> that was my only thing. Like, it looked very fresh, looked very yellow and not rotted away at all. In any way, yeah, which pr- produ- production? Yeah, I I don't know if corn lasts like that. I have no idea. <laughs> I I don't know what the shelf life of corn in a silo is. I, so, so many answers. Nonetheless, we need. that was very well done. 
that whole scene. Yes. And I thought it would have been cool for them to kill off one of the three monsters by having it drown in the corn and just be stuck under all the corn. I thought that would have been a cool way for one to go, but yeah. instead they had to tear open the thing, which was also cool. I would have been too worried about it because not having enough information of their anatomy and just their biology, I like if I just saw one disappear under there and never really reemerge, I would have, in the back of my head, always been thinking it's there. Like, it could still have survived, okay. it could still be a, a factor, etc. That could right. have been the jump scare. Something, yeah. Later, you know. Um, so other, other than that, I guess I, I mean, we don't, we haven't really done anything like this on, uh, this incarnation, uh, on the never seen that series, but, um, I mean, maybe we won't do like a rating, but I don't know, Brian, would you give this like thumbs up, thumbs down, a recommendation to others? How would you categorize it? I mean, yeah, I was trying to think even, not that I was expecting it, but I was trying to figure if I'd gave it like a rating out of 10, I'm leaning towards a nine for this one. Wow. Like I think I think just production value wise, I think it was really well done. It is one that I again and I, I I said this before, I think. I give you credit for the ones you're picking for me because you're you are trying to frame it around the mind. One, will Brian survive this viewing? And two, <laughs> will he actually like this movie? And so far your picks have been very well. Good. Like right good. in my wheelhouse. So that's good. Um, I don't know you if I can say the same the for fast series for him. yeah I can't I can't say the same for fast because that's definitely like we're gonna shit you in this chair we're gonna strap you down you're gonna watch Fast and Furious <laughs> like a uh, 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 Clockwork Orange style pry my <laughs> <Yeah>. eyes open <laughs> um, so yeah this is this is one I would probably watch again um, and I I enjoy the way they made this one I think it was very well done so if this if we had not I'm trying to think how to frame this so when we when we started this it was with Zombieland. Yeah, with the knowledge, and literally right before the sequel came out, I think we actually watched it together within two weeks of the sequel I think, getting released, something, something like that. to that extent. Um, and that at least prompted you to enjoy that enough to join us to see Zombieland Two in the theaters with us. I had a feeling you were going to ask me on record about <laughs> seeing Part Two. Well, enough. It, it, it has has to. this had a similar enough. Um, effect that the interest or or the enjoyability of the story etc since there is a sequel that has been produced uh from that side of it does it interest you enough to care about what else they could show you yes i mean i i do have an interest in seeing the sequel seeing okay. it in the theater is where i'm i'm mulling over only because i and i understand sound design wise this is probably really fun to see in the theater but the fact that it is so quiet in the theater watching this movie, mm -hmm. and I'm going to be on edge the whole time and need to talk and <laughs> okay. make noise, I don't know if a theater experience is the best suit for me. That is fair. It, to be fair, when I saw this in the theater the first time, I was very hesitant because I knew it was something that somebody else could very easily ruin. Yeah. Because I knew the That's idea true. of it going in, obviously. And I was actually really pleasantly surprised by all but one person in the theater with me. There was actually somebody in the theater with me during this movie. It was this old woman who, you know, maybe not that old, but just obnoxious woman, let's say, who decided at some point to say, oh, my God, it's so quiet out loud about halfway through the movie. And it was like, did you read the title? Did you say the name of it when you told the person you wanted a ticket? Yeah. <laughs> did you do any, like, did any of this occur to you? This is exactly what was advertised. Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> like, you could have just not said that out loud. Yeah. But no. I, I'm hoping that my 
sequel going experience which uh as of the day we're recording this by the time you guys are hearing this i there's a good chance sarah and i will have already seen it by that point um but i'm looking forward to it because i'm hoping that the 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 theater audience who saw the first one and then anyone who has experienced it in the last three years has the respect and appreciation for it and the point of it yeah that they would know what the correct appropriate way to behave for this for the sequel is or at least what the ways to avoid behaving are right well um, and the other point is is it going to be as quiet or are we going to get more of a uh you know, because like you, like you said, we're going to get some prequel kind of experiences where they're figuring out they need to be quiet. Sure. So assuming wise, that's not going to be as quiet. Yeah. And then after A Quiet Place, like we said, that she pumps the shotgun. It's time to go. Right. Yeah. Like it's on at that point. If you start shooting them, you kind of got to keep shooting them once <laughs> you start because you don't really have another option. I think for me, what I'm preparing for the sequel is... At any moment, my silence will be required. And because yeah. of that, um, even in prequel moments, uh, flashback moments, or in, in, in any any more suspenseful action-y moments, uh, or, or if there's more dialogue between characters in, in the even in the even in the timeline where the story has caught up to itself, mm. I, I, I still feel like the res- the respect it deserves and what is required of it what it what it is requiring of me is to just shut up and listen <laughs> and not to make that you know casual noise with the popcorn bag or the candy wrapper opening that that kind of that's, stuff see that's kind of, kind of my fear too is i know when i get back in a theater i'm gonna want a big thing of popcorn and a big ass drink and i don't want to be the <laughs> one squeaking in my straw and trying to eat popcorn when everyone else is trying to enjoy the movie i don't want to be that guy and that that is absolutely fair i would say like i the the moment this is available on any kind of vod or uh red box rental anything like that i'm not sure what the trajectory of this is going to be in our new world of everything has a streaming option etc uh <laughs> first day it's available somewhere i will be right back with you to watch it because i'm sure it'll be yeah at home enjoyable. i will make this an at-home viewing for sure if i do not suck it up and go to the theater this will be part two will be an at-home viewing yes very cool very cool um any other closing thoughts uh, i got nothing i i don't Same. don't think i really do as well um i know brian do we want to talk about what's maybe coming next um i mean as far as next week i'm not quite sure what we'll do next week i don't know if we'll do i mean we have a rewind theater queued up we know what movie we're doing next which if you haven't paid attention ghost rider is on the table um so that's always one we could get to uh i know e3 is starting in a couple weeks i'm sure we'll be talking some video game news in a couple weeks so that probably won't be next week but give it a couple more weeks we'll probably have some stuff um please Battlefield Six, please. I know that's that's the ninth or something now. <laughs> I'm real excited for that. Um, I I kind of, I've I've had an inkling to try to do a geek news type of thing. I think there's some headlines worth covering out there now. Um, so if I can compile something like that, that could be one we do in the next couple weeks. Uh, so yeah, uh, next week could be up in the air. I'm I'm thinking either rewind or news. We'll see where we end up. See what happens. Um, but I know Josh and I uh had talked prior to recording this that you know 
part of our deal, the trade, is that, you know, he gives me these types of movies and we get more Fast and Furious from him. So our this sort of, I guess, ends our original deal is that he was giving me two Fast and Furious movies and then we were going one-to-one. So I've had my third movie and we're about to do, the next one up for us is the fourth Fast movie we're going to do, which isn't number four. It's confusing, I know, but we're going to do Fast 6. Uh, is the next one we've done with Josh. So we did one, four, five. Yes. I'm gonna we're gonna do six. And then at that point, Josh, I'm gonna leave it up to you. If you want to continue the fast franchise, mm-hmm. we can we can continue. But I'm gonna give you the out at six. That was the the deal. That was where I started. I said we could at least start <laughs> you with that four set of movies. I think that's a good round like story arc for these this franchise. Okay. And then, you know, after six we can decide if we want to keep going or not. So at some point uh, you will try at least try to get six on recorded, and if we want to try to, we know Fast Nine's coming up at the end of the month, so we might time it somewhere around there. We'll see how we end up. But uh, right now, I think that's kind of the game plan. Yeah, sounds good. That'll be the uh, end of both of our contractual obligations, right? At the moment, and then we can enter renegotiations. Well, since you were, you know, you really pushed me for this one prior to Quiet Place Part Two, so I'm gonna try to push Fast Six before Fast Nine. Fair enough. See if we can get that in there. But other than that, I think that's where we go. And then, yeah, I mean, after Josh and I finished our contractual obligations for never seeing that stuff, if there's someone else, honestly, that wants to watch something they haven't before or something that we feel like they should have seen and wants to go on the hot seat for that, we can we can trade the buck to somebody else. Absolutely. And it always like th- this was sort of a unique way for us to shoehorn this idea into something that we had already established for the show. It doesn't always have to be a trade off of one thing. For another i mean the the other movies we've done in the series um were just again things that we were almost like surprised that someone just had not viewed in their you know childhood or adult lives yet um that's just that's the premise of of the idea so if you think that there's something out there uh either for us or for yourself you don't always have you know just feel free to shout it out you know to us you don't have to feel like oh well if i if i want to do that do i have to then watch something else that they're telling me i have to or recommending yeah or whatever you know it's not it's not necessarily the, a trade-off the never seen that stuff started just for, with a conversation between you and i where you had said you'd never seen bad boys and i had right. said i'd never seen the goonies mm-hmm. so that was where we're like okay that's what we're doing we'll start with those two wait did the goonies episode happen i that was one of the first ones we did yeah, under this banner. a couple years ago these have been so sporadic yeah that you have true. to go back like, i know three it's hard years. Well, i was gonna say i know we did the like did we ever finish Lord of the Rings with Steph? No. <laughs> well, I got, still, I got like, we, two movies we got the into the Star two. Wars franchise with Vanessa. I got two of the three through Lord of the Rings with Steph. Granted, she had watched Return of the King, but didn't care any more about it and just didn't want to go on record and talk about it, so we just let it die. Which, okay. Mike, I think... No, that's actually... That's fine. I think that's I think fine. Brian might have mentioned that in our pre-show as well, that <laughs> there, there was previous attempts to get something like this rolling. Yeah. It's the most inconsistent so, type of <laughs> segment I've ever done. I'll, I can give you one off the top of my head that I know, I believe you, Brian, have read. I don't know about hmm. Josh, but I know you have recommended that I have definitely not watched that I would almost require a trade-off for. <laughs> and that's Pitch Perfect. Oh, I believe okay. you were into that. I love that franchise. Recall? Yes. Okay, it's yeah. pretty fun. I've never watched a single one, and I might want to trade off on that. <laughs> Wait, maybe I don't know. Like if we, 
maybe. Well, you you, we can, you bring we, your we'll people. Out. You bring your people. We'll bring our I people. We'll go to the I table. I've watched like everything. It, I mean, part, it, part of it stemmed just immediately from my mad crush on Anna Kendrick. It got me <laughs> in the in the theater. I saw that in the theater. Yes, I did. Um, but you know that that was just a fun ass movie. So I've I've been in in love with that franchise ever since the first one. Okay. You hear that, listeners? Lots of things to come in the near and distant future. Yeah, just like always. Um, all right, I guess that's it for us. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five-star rating and review. Be sure to give us a share on social media. Uh, you can follow or subscribe to the show. We are on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher, hopefully anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find us. Uh, search us out on Facebook. Search Bry Guy and the Super Friends. Go to facebook.com slash Friends. You can send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. If you would like to volunteer to be on the show for a movie you haven't seen before, that we can just grill you on the hot seat and give you a bunch of questions. We can do that, too. Hit us up on Facebook. Let us know. Uh, you can try to email us, bryguysuperfriends at gmail.com. I checked it like three weeks ago. There's still nothing in there, but, you know, good luck tries. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, at BGSuperFriends. Um, you can follow me on Twitch. Uh, I am Jedi Bryguy on there, Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. Uh, I will... I've been recently trying to stream some gameplay stuff. If you want to watch Warzone, I've done a lot of Warzone recently. Um, if we ever go live for the podcast, it will be there. Uh, feel free to follow and check us out. And that's it for us. On behalf of Josh, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.